Listener Production. Australia is the allergy capital of the world and we have more than 5 million Australians living with allergies and 10% of our infants now have a food allergy. Some concerning numbers there in today's briefing, an even more worrying statistic. Allergies in Australia are expected to increase by a whopping 70% by 2050. And why is that? Well, it's a very difficult and interesting question. The scary rise of allergies. That is our briefing in this episode. First, today's big headlines with Katrina Blowers. It is Monday, September 18. Well, thousands attended yes walks and rallies over the weekend in support of an Indigenous voice to Parliament. Yes, 23 organisers said between 150,000 and 200,000 Australians took part in events across the country and it was a bit of a star-studded affair. There were some famous singers, uh, prominent Indigenous leaders, so people like Bernard Fanning, Dan Sultan, John Butler, Missy Higgins, Peter Garrett. So in Melbourne, that's where the Midnight oil front man and former Labor Environment Minister was, and he was urging the crowd to start conversations about the referendum with family and friends who remain undecided. And Tom, according to figures that were put to Labor last week, that's about 5 million Australians who still don't know how they're going to vote in the referendum. Yeah, so I guess the Yes campaign is ramping up and that's what we're all waiting to see if they can shift the needle in these last weeks leading up to the big vote on October 14. Um, there was some interesting uh, news on the other side of the campaign too, Katrina. Um, leading Indigenous No campaigner Warren Mundine made some comments that were completely out of step with other No campaigners like Peter Dutton and Jacinta Price. Do you still want to change the date? Yeah, I'm a change-the-date person. So in that interview on the ABC, he said, as you just heard, that he supports changing the date. He said he also supports treaties. Now, these are two issues that no campaigners have been warning voters about if a yes vote gets up. And there you have the second most prominent no campaigner saying... That's what he wants anyway. Yeah, and and he also said that um, if the yes vote fails, that that means that they've got more of a chance of getting those treaties through. Super interesting development there. And the BBC and Channel 4 in the UK are investigating sexual assault allegations against UK comedian Russell Brand. So four women have come forward and accused Brand of rape and sexual assault between 2006 and 2013. The women went public as part of a joint investigation by Channel 4, The Times and The Sunday Times. And some of the allegations relate to his time working in London for Channel 4 and BBC, where he was eventually fired, and then also after he moved to Los Angeles. Now, Brand has made a statement denying the allegations, saying that all of his relationships have been consensual. Amidst this litany of astonishing, rather baroque attacks are some very serious allegations that I absolutely refute. Yeah, so Brand is also doing a um, series of stand-up performances at the moment. The crowd has been going wild for him and holding up signs of support. And he has addressed the allegations to the crowd, but, you know, he said, look, thank you for your support, but there are some things that I just can't talk about right now. It, It is also worth pointing out that London's Metropolitan Police has put out a statement saying that they haven't received any reports in relation to the allegations, but if 
anyone believes that they've been the victim of a sexual assault, no matter how long ago it happened, uh, we'd encourage them to contact the police. So this is an investigation that's been going on for ages now with journos from the Times in particular leading this investigation. They say the women were too frightened to publicly reveal who they were. One of them was allegedly 16 years old at the time and also alleges that Brand used to send a taxi to her school to pick her up and they just feared speaking out because he is such a huge celebrity. And this next story comes with a very big spoiler alert for rugby fans. If you want to watch the Wallabies in delay and you don't want to know the score, hit the pause button right now and skip forward one minute. Uh, Here's the news. There's been a devastating upset. Uh, The Wallabies have lost against Fiji, 22 to 15, in a very tense pool match. Um, They haven't beaten us in a World Cup since 1954. Uh, This puts us in a very dicey position uh, in the World Cup. We have to beat Wales now next weekend uh, to get through to the quarterfinals, but that will still depend on some other outcomes. So... This is terrible news, Katrina. <laughs> I was going to ask you, where, what are you thinking? What, do, what are our chances here? Oh, well, Wales are very good. Wales beat Fiji and now we've been beaten by Fiji. So that's going to be a really tough match. Um, and we're on equal points with Fiji now because it's, you know, we've won one and lost one. So it might come down to bonus points or even for and against. Not exactly sure of the technicalities there. But um, look, it's been a journey of disappointment, slithers of hope <laughs> as a Wallabies fan, and this is just crushing. Oh. And, you know, I didn't want to know the score, but this is my job to report the news. So, look, there it is. Oh, no. Well, you know, hopes and prayers <laughs> to everyone who's commiserating with you today. All right. Right after this message, Antoinette brings you our briefing on the rising level of allergies in Australia. Spring is here, so I thought we could use it as a bit of a springboard to talk about allergies. So allergic disease currently affects about one in five people, and it's rising. In about a couple of decades, it will impact more than 7 million Aussies. So why is this happening? Well, that's the first sort of logical question. And while there are some theories gaining momentum, no one is entirely sure. There's definitely not consensus. Like one suggestion that stuck out to me was maybe showering less frequently as a way to avoid allergies. But the chat about what is being done to help manage the growing problem, Professor Kirsten Perrett, who's the director of the National Allergy Centre, is here to share her insights. Thanks for your time, Professor. You often hear my parents or people my parents and grandparents' age say things like, oh, allergy, smallergy. When I was growing up, we ate and touched everything and we weren't allergic. What's this nonsense hard enough? And In a way, they aren't wrong, are they? Because the allergies are growing. Absolutely. And thanks for having me, Antoinette. Yeah, it's just absolutely fascinating. Australia is the allergy capital of the world and we have more than 5 million Australians living with allergies and 10% of our infants now have a food allergy. And I think the hard thing that everyone's grappling is, is why? Why has this happened, you know, so quickly? And they have been becoming more common in the past three decades. At the Murdoch Children's Research Institute and through our National Centre, we're really dedicated to helping this public health 
crisis. And what we're trying to understand is the causes, the consequences, and then what we can do about it through prevention, treatment and management strategies. I'm keen to know which allergies are the biggest and also any new ones that are creeping up on us and are growing. Yeah, well, we know that food allergies have become more common in the past uh, three decades and allergies can run in families. The most common food allergies as a child are things like uh, peanut, egg, milk and tree nuts and sesame. And we've seen uh, a real rise in food allergy in general over the last 10 years. And the tricky thing is, is it's not just food allergy. There's also insect allergy and allergic rhinitis and hay fever and dust mite and pollen allergy and drug allergy. And at the National Centre, we're trying to tackle all of these things. And I want to talk about meat allergies for a moment because there is a current wave of tick bites. Tell us what's happening there. Yeah, that's right. Australia is actually known as, unfortunately, the world's leading uh, centre for tick anaphylaxis and tick allergy. And unfortunately, if you do develop a tick bite, you are at risk of then developing a meat allergy later on. And this is because of the saliva of the tick that actually when they uh, bite, they uh, inject this saliva, which has an alpha-gal protein in it, that you can develop allergic sensitisation to. And this means that later, if you were then to eat meat, uh, mammalian meat or meat from, from mammals, this has the alpha-gal in it and you can actually develop uh, that anaphylaxis or allergic reaction. And it's absolutely fascinating and, and a real problem, particularly on the eastern coast of Australia. It seems Australia holds a couple of um, first place unenviable positions when it comes to the allergy space, but I am keen to know at the more severe end of it, do we have an indication of how many people die from allergies or anaphylactic reactions? Yeah, sadly, every year we have uh, many tragedies from uh, food allergy, but also uh, insect allergy. And in fact, fatalities from food-induced anaphylaxis have increased by about 10% year on year. And we know that for the last 15 or so years. And we also lose about 10 to 12 Australians every year from an insect allergy, a bee or a wasp sting. So that's something we really need to tackle. Here's another stat that kind of startled me because by 2050, there are some projections that the number of people affected by allergic diseases is predicted to increase by 70%. And I, I guess everybody wants to know why. Yes, it's a, a frightening statistic, isn't it? Um, we do believe that the environment or our modern lifestyle may be contributing to these higher rates of allergies that we're seeing because we know that the uh, while allergies can run in families, that the rise in, in allergies is, is increasing much faster than uh, can be accounted for by any change in genome or genetic code. Some of the big reasons why uh, we think things like food allergies uh, are on the rise, the risk factors we've identified, we, we coin them like the five Ds, but it's really about the mm -hmm. overly hygienic, clean lifestyle of Australian families. So the number one is, is diet, and we know you can do something about that. You can introduce allergens like peanut butter and egg into the baby's diet around six months, uh, not before four months, but early on to get them tasting that and, and therefore for uh, not developing an allergy, but you need to give it often uh, to the baby. The other big one is dry skin. We know that uh, early infants with eczema are more susceptible to food allergy, so make sure if babies have eczema, it's treated well. Uh, vitamin D, 
looks like uh, it might be a factor. We've got, uh, you know, Australia where we, we use SunSmart campaigns very successfully. We don't fortify our vitamin D. So we're looking at vitamin D very closely and seeing if we can prevent food allergy with vitamin D. And the other two things are about our external environment. And that's things like that we're very clean. So we need to get lots of exposure to things like dogs and dirt. They're all good things and dribble. And that's really referring to our gut microbiome is the last one. And we know that our gut and our microbiome is super important to keep that uh, our body as healthy. So we, we coin those the five Ds, but it's a simple way of, of saying diet, dry skin, vitamin D, dogs and dribble. We've got to think about this whole picture and how we can make sure that the baby's being exposed to all these things to try and prevent food allergies from happening in the first place. And so I know that we talk a lot about allergies with children and I have school-aged children and every second child, there's a chart of don't give them this, don't expose them to this and everyone's hypervigilant about it. But adults developing allergies in adult life is also something that I've come across. Is this something that the research is also reflecting? It's like not something they had since they were toddlers. It was something that they either developed or had a reaction to into their adult lives. That's right. And we know that food allergy can occur at any age. Food allergy just occurs when the immune system incorrectly mounts an immune response against the food or allergen, which is normally harmless. And uh, we're seeing this wave of food allergies as well, not just new food allergies, but the wave of food allergies from um, infancy now going through into adolescent and early adulthood. So it is something that the whole community needs to be aware of and aware of what the signs and symptoms of, of food allergy or anaphylaxis are. I'm interested to know, can allergies like be reversed or phased out? Or I hear sometimes people say you can grow out of them. Like what sort of work is being done in this space? 90% of egg allergy can be outgrown, but unfortunately for tree nuts, peanuts and seafood and sesame, only about 10 to 30% at the most will be outgrown. So we are doing a whole lot of trials here and around the world to test different ways to build tolerance to allergens and retrain the immune system. And for food in particular, we've got these neat little food allergen patches, a bit like a nicotine patch, food oral immunotherapy, giving the food daily and building up the tolerance that way, or immunotherapy delivered by monthly injections. And all these strategies are currently in clinical trials and they'll be moving to the clinic uh, very soon. So I think we should be very optimistic about the future. So let's talk about our response to allergies, because as a society, it seems as though we have become a lot more accommodating. Like there are more milk varieties at cafes than seats at a UN roundtable at the (laughs) moment, is my sense, is that we're doing okay. But I don't have allergies, just intolerances. From your perspective, are we doing well in terms of restaurant responses, public awareness, or do we need to do more? I think we do need to do more, but we're doing a huge amount already. So I think, you know, we should say that, you know, be proud of what Australia has achieved and what is contributing to the world stage in this area. But I think we're also at the point where we need to do more because Australia, unfortunately, is, you know, as we know, the allergy capital of the world, we have such a big problem. So I think, number one, we need to keep people safe. So we need to raise awareness about allergies and and what they are and what they look like. So just people need to know that a mild or moderate allergic reaction can look like hives uh, or rash, uh, swelling around the lips or eyes, um, and you can get tummy pain or vomiting. But a severe allergic reaction where someone's having difficulty breathing, wheezing, coughing, you know, this is an emergency situation where triple zero should be called if an EpiPen or an anaphylaxis auto-injector, an adrenaline um, auto-injector is, is not available, um, you know, call the ambulance straight away and give that auto-injector if it's available. And there's also uh, a consumer engagement register, and I think it's it's a terrific 
unique new initiative of the National Allergy Centre of Excellence where we're calling on people to join this register. We'd love to hear from them so they can share their lived experience about living with allergy or living with someone who has allergy. And we want to have input from consumers about what research will make a big difference for them. We want to work together and now more than ever, researchers, doctors, patients and organisations need to work together to, to try and tackle this public health crisis and improve the health and wellbeing of Australians. So if any listeners are out there and they would love to join the register, they can follow the link on the show notes to the NACE website or nace.org.au. That's Kirsten Perrett. She's the director of the National Allergy Centre of Excellence. And that website, again, if you want to share your experience with living with allergy or living with someone who lives with an allergy, that is www.nace.org.au. And some fascinating insights there, a few frightening ones too. But it is also heartening to know that there's a lot of work being done in this area. Listener.